and it's that for that same reason of like, okay, if I can go out, if I can get my butt out of bed and go run for an hour, however long it is, and like when I least want to, then whatever else I encounter throughout the day, it's likely not going to be any harder than getting out of bed at 6 a.m. to go run in the cold. In the middle of that, the 52 mile race, I literally told myself, I was like, I'm never running a race again. I don't care if it's like a community 5K, like I'm done running, like this is just horrible. Why am I doing this to myself? And then literally, I kid you not, like the second I crossed the finish line, I was like, wow, I think I might wanna do 100 miles next year. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes, business owners, and other guests. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for building a more resilient mind. If you enjoy listening, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. All right, guys, welcome to the show and actually the first inaugural show. And today I have on Jeremy Miller, who is a filmmaker, ultra runner, and photographer. At least that's how I classify him as. How are you doing, Mr. Miller? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm honored to be a, a part of the inaugural podcast. So yeah, glad to Absolutely. Be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to get this podcast going just because I know we were talking about it before it was recording was just the ability to kind of network with so many different people because, you know, you see all these different creative people on Instagram and it's just, podcasting is like the perfect excuse to kind of get to know people a lot deeper than just, you know, a comment here, a DM there. And it's kind of just a, a forced way to have a good conversation and get to know people on a, on a deeper level. So excited to have you on, hear more about like what you're doing and things like that. Yeah, sir. I'm excited to learn more about you. That's, that's what I'm pumped for. I was going to say like how, I feel like... But, my Instagram, it's not a facade, but it's like, I, you know, a lot of people, especially back when uh, I lived in Virginia, people take, take me too seriously. Like they think I'm like very, because my captions sometimes can be like either more hard nosed or about discipline and work ethic, but I, I'm like goofy 95% of the time. You know, it's like, especially like my wife, like, you know, people think I'm just so like to the point. She's like, no, like when he's with me, like he's goofy and he's like, you know, silly and, I don't know. I'm sure you're you're like a different person when you're with uh, your girl. A hundred percent. She tells me everything. <laughs> um, we're like it, a lot more squishy when we're with our women, right? Uh, I, dude, I think everybody is. <laughs> I got like I got kind of a, a sense of that because um, I I would agree that like your Instagram looking at it like you seem like like a real like hard nosed kind of like yeah. gritty dude. Not not boring, but like you know uh, just did you say boring or to the point? I said to the point, but oh, to the point. <laughs> oh no, not no, none of that. I know. Anyways, yeah. um, and so, but then when I texted you this afternoon, I was like, "What, what topics can I expect yeah, to talk about?" about you, yeah, you said drugs and politics, and I was like, "Okay, I like that." Well, I almost said sex, drugs, and rock and roll because I feel like that's like a good like catch-all phrase. But yeah, yeah, I like it, man. You can't you can't take yourself too seriously. I'm, no, that's, that's like a, a daily struggle for me, but I'm, I'm always yeah. working on it. A hundred percent. So the way I actually found you was kind of interesting. And uh, to me, I feel like it's the it's the best way to reach out to another person who does more creative outlets. And hopefully you appreciated me reaching out this way was your Chasing 400 documentary, which if you haven't watched that and you're listening, go look it up. Jeremy Miller, either YouTube that or search Chasing 400, Justin Kenner. But basically it's your film that you had of Justin Kinner is an ultra runner running the a Grand Slam, which is 400-mile races in the same calendar year. It's the Old Dominion 100, the Western States 100, Leadville 100, and Wasatch 100. 
uh, ultra marathon races. And I found that documentary because I've just been obsessed with finding these ultra running documentaries because they're just so captivating as far as, you know, there's sports documentaries of all kinds, baseball, football, whatever, but ultra running is such a unique sport because it's not a two hour or one hour event or something very short. It's this 14, 12, 20, could be plus longer hour event where you're going through so many ups and downs. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. And, you know, you're not just following the runner themselves, but you're following their whole story, how they got to this point. You're following the crew, their family, their friends that are there helping them, devoting an entire day plus to helping them complete this race. And I feel like you get more out of someone's life, entire life, from the single race than you do, you know, if, if you were just following them in, a, in like a basketball game or doing even like a marathon. It's just not the same uh, type of mental strain and physical strain that really brings interesting characteristics out of people. So what kind of drove you to, to film this and how did you meet Justin in the first place? Yeah, I think, I mean, that was a really good summary of ultra running. And there's, um, I think it's Billy Yang has that documentary called Life in a Day. And that's yeah. like, that perfectly sums up what ultra running is. And it's, that is what I wanted to capture. Um, and so it was probably like a year and a half ago, I was sitting on my couch, just watching ultra running documentaries, um, like many of us do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, that would be such a cool thing to just, just to go and film. Um, and so the first person I thought of was Justin Kinner. Um, I knew him from my hometown uh, up in Wyoming. And so I texted him, I was like, hey dude, do you have any races coming up i knew he did 100 milers uh, and he's like yeah i actually have 400 mile races this summer <laughs> and i was like all right dude let's uh let's go film these he's happy to, <laughs> to have me tag along um so we went and filmed those four races that you mentioned um and then we and how long together. did that take because i guess it took um what was it like maybe over a nine ten month period uh it was 13 weeks to oh sure for him, for him to run it is that what you mean all the races were within 13 i guess they were yeah, because it was... Okay, so it was like over a summer almost? Yeah, so it was like June 5th, I believe, was the first one. And then it ended in Wasatch, but it was like, like September 5th. Or I think yeah. it was like June 5th to September 5th, so it was like 12, So what was it weeks. like filming that? Did you... I imagine you had to fly out to each one. Was that on your own dime, or did he help fund that at all, or...? No, this was like... That's honestly one of my favorite parts about the project, but it, it was solely like a passion project. Um, like Good, yeah. We had like some little sponsors that essentially just sent him some gear because they had never heard of yeah. me or him. Um, so they're like, they didn't want to, <laughs> you know, pay for all this traveling. But dude, that's the funny thing to interject is a lot of times the people who win these ultra races or do really <laughs> well, they don't even have social medias or they have like 300 followers. Like I remember yep. after watching your documentary, I looked up Justin Kidder. I was like, he's got to have like 30, 40,000 or something like that. <laughs> He has like a thousand, you yeah. know? I don't even know if he's at a thousand. I think he's at like four yeah, or five hundred. Yeah, like no one knows who this guy is, yet he has like way more accomplishes, accomplishments than I'll ever have. You know what I mean? Dude, I, th I think after all that, and then he just did um, another race a couple weeks ago, another 100 miler. I think with that, he's at like 12 hundreds that he's completed. Um, so yeah, he's like, he's just an absolute machine. Like get, getting to see him do his thing in person and like, I mean, I and my I think you, to do four hundred mile races, you have to be different a little bit, like yeah, either mentally like have some kind of tolerance to pain and like some kind of grit that a lot of people don't have. And I think in the documentary he actually mentions that he's like, I don't have like an elite speed or like this elite talent or anything, but I just have an elite grit. And I think that's a perfect way to yeah. explain it. Like, well, and you know that's actually a good way to of 
of putting it. And that's something I've tried to create as my own calling card in a way, too. Have you ever seen the uh, super widely watched the podcast Joe Rogan did with David Goggins? And yep. this whole kind of like blow up. I've seen that and like 20 times. <laughs> dude, it is so captivating because you're you're looking at this guy and he's not the biggest, not the strongest, but he just has this – I mean, I, I'd like to see somebody who's got like a harder mind than that guy. And not, you know, so there's some anti like David Goggins people. It's like just pipe down and just take the positive out of people like that. You know, there's always like those negative Nancys. But yeah. back to the point is, you know, there's something – about building just this resilient mind, which is kind of what this podcast I want it to be, is pulling from stories uh, like yourself, which we'll get to your your 52-mile race you did recently in a little bit. But that's almost what draws me to the sport, to ultra running, is I got a lot of grit and discipline through seven-plus years of like weightlifting and things like that. But what captivated me with running and ultra running specifically is just this extreme – resilience and desire to push through pain push through fatigue and the and the lessons that comes with it and i feel like it is so uh captivating and motivating and it just draws you in when you watch these documentaries like yours or billy yang's all of his are phenomenal as well or you know going to these races itself it just draws you into the sport the more you're, you're like looking it up you know what i mean yeah and i think um you know that that's probably my favorite thing about it too is like you don't have to have skill necessarily. Like you don't, I mean, anybody can go run. It, it's yeah. like, and even in ultra running, it's like, it is a lot of walking and like power hiking. And mm-hmm. um, you don't need to have like some crazy VO2 max or whatever. Like if you have the mental capabilities to, to keep pushing yourself forward, like as long as you put in the training, like your body's going to be able to mm-hmm. take you as, as far as you let it. So that seems uh, like it's almost for, more, relatable and more attainable for people like the average folk like even like you and me we're 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 athletes we're you know more trained than you know the average person but you know even the average person could within a few years like train and do these things or or, you know we look at maybe a justin kenner and we say we could never do it but with enough i feel like years of training and and mental conditioning ultra running is one of those sports where you're not running the entire time it is just as simple as keep moving forward, you know, just keep one step in front of the other power hike. If you get a power hike, run, if you can run. And it's just, you know, as long as you're moving your body forward and you're just chasing the next aid station, you can just keep on moving. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, that's probably why so many people gravitate towards a guy like David Goggins and myself included is like, he showed what someone who is 300 plus pounds, like what they are capable of, as long as you basically take that governor off your mind like he says mm-hmm. is like you just have to take those self limitations off of yourself and let yourself do those things because uh, in my opinion when it comes down to it like it's it's our mind that's always that limiting factor um yeah. it's not like our genetics or our height or our weight or whatever it's it's almost always our our mental state and i think the more you break down those barriers it's kind of like if you if you look at it like dominoes and like stacks of cards in a row and every time you race every time you push a little bit further you run a longer long run than you've done you run a faster marathon it's like you break down another wall another wall another wall and i feel like by the time i get to actually racing a hundred mile race i'll have broken down so many mental barriers that the idea of quitting is is like non-existent or it's in the far back point of my head you know, and like the more you can build up that grit and resistance, 
the more you can become closer to a mindset of someone like David Goggins. Like, you're not going to flip the switch instantly. Like, I'm way harder mentally than I was a year ago and way, way harder than I was like five years ago, you know? I'm sure you could say the same from when you started your running journey. 100%. Yeah, I think... So I've been running consistently for about three years now. And I remember, like, I still have it on my Strava. My first, like, year of running, it was like two, sometimes one mile a day, two miles a day. Um, I remember like my first four mile run, I like left the house, I came back and like Bree was like trying to ask me a question about like what we're doing that day. And I'm like, hold on, slow down. Like I just ran four miles. Like you gotta just take it easy, give me a minute. Cause yeah. it was like, I'd never done anything like that in my life. And I mean, I was only gone for like 30 minutes from the house, but it seemed like I had just ran a marathon. I remember the um, first time I ran four miles, I got in the car and my legs felt like I couldn't move them. You know, and now it's like four miles is like the lowest I'll run mentally. Like I'm like, if it's not four miles, I barely did anything. You know? Yeah, it's like I mean that's like a warm up now essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's crazy, man. The the progression and your body does adapt, and your body gets more in shape and more fit. But I would say that the biggest thing is like your mind just builds like that that callus essentially to mm -hmm. go back to David Goggins. Like you're just continually you know building this thing and and adding. Um, you know, that capability to, to go against resistance and, and stop that urge to, you know, to stop running or to, to quit walking or whatever it is. Um, 100%. And it's like, literally, like, you just take one more step each day, you go one more mile, you do whatever it is, and then over time that just, that compounds, and then you end up running 100 milers or these, I mean... There's the distance. You look, you look back, next thing you're, you're shitting in the woods, you're running ultra runner yeah. or ultra miles all the time, you're like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. Yeah. So you recently just ran uh, your first ultra marathon, or I believe it was your first, right? You haven't done like a 50K or anything like that? Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like my, my first official ultra marathon, I guess. So about three or no, it'd be like two years ago, I ran, um, it was an endurance challenge uh, and it was actually hosted by Justin Kinner, um, the guy who did the Grand Slam uh -huh. um, up in Wyoming. And it's a, it was a 12 hour, basically eight mile loop. And you just did as many loops as you could for that 12-hour window. And I think I ended up doing like 43 miles or something like that. Um, and I, I did it untrained like an idiot. Like I was running like five yeah. miles a week at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go try and run 50 miles. And then I ended up hurting my knee. That's still a huge accomplishment for that, you know? Yeah, it was a, it, at the time it was great. Like I said, I ended up – I hurt myself in the process of it. But like yeah. I learned so much from that. And like even the, the mental gains I made from that play into like my everyday life now just mm – -hmm whenever it's like, you know, things get hard, like, uh, like if somebody cuts me off in traffic or something, it's like, I mentally just think back to like what it feels like to be absolutely sucking. A hundred percent. That's what I try and explain sometimes. And I feel like people take it as cheesy when I write some of these captions, but it's, it's true. Like when you create your own suffering and you create your own like torment, when you face real pain or suffering or adversity in real life, it feels like nothing. It feels like, you know, just a change in, in wind, you know, like a little bit of resistance. It, it just, the, when you go through such physical struggle in your own training, you're like, nothing else can bring that pain worse than what I felt when I do to myself, you know? Yep. That's uh. so I usually like to run first thing in the mornings, like, like 6am and it's mm -hmm. that for that same reason of like, okay, if I can go out, if I can get my butt out of bed and go run for an hour, however long it is, and like when I least want to, 
then yeah. whatever else I encounter throughout the day, it's likely not going to be any harder than getting out of bed at 6 a.m. to go run in the cold. Um, exactly. And that, like, that's just my favorite way to start the day because it's like, dude, you a can cold get up dark and do run that. is brutal. Dude, it's, it's miserable. But again, it's that thing of like, if you can go out and do that, then whatever else you come in contact with that well, day is going to Here's the thing, like too. You never regret it. Whenever you're done, you never go, damn, no. I wish I would have just stayed inside and slept. Never. You never like do that, you know what I mean? No, and so when you, yeah, when you, when you realize that, it just makes the decision easier, I feel like, you know? Yeah, that's, that's something I always remind myself, too, when, I mean, I'm not lying when I say almost every time I go for a run, it's like this whole thing of, like, talking myself up to go for a run. Yeah. And, but that's the thing that tells me, like, okay, you, every time you do this, you, before you're going to run, you're like, okay, do I really want to run? And then as soon as you get done, it's like, like you said, you're, you're never regretting going to do it. You're always better. You feel better. You're, like, you're physically better. It's a, it's a game changer. It's like, yeah, kind of just a, it's a routine now. So back to the Bighorn uh, 52, what, uh, what were the highs and lows like as far as, cause I know one thing that was in your video, which if you aren't following Jeremy, you gotta go look up and watch his recap of the race, but you only packed or you only wore one pair of socks. Yep. That was, uh, just probably due to like my lack of experience with ultras, um, and so, yeah, at this race, there was probably, if I had to guess, like 50 creek crossings, about one every mile or so. Um, and then at the beginning of the race, for the first like 10 miles, it was like snowy, so all the snow was melting. Um, it was just muddy everywhere. Like the mm -hmm. whole course was just like soaked essentially. So as a result, my feet were soaked pretty much the whole race. Um, and like about halfway through, my feet started getting like that pruny, like thin skin. It looked like, gross at the end. I saw dude, it was disgusting. <laughs> and then, towards the end of the day also it started getting pretty hot it was like 80 or 90 degrees and so like the friction in my feet mixed with like wet socks and wet feet um was just like it, it felt like every step i was taking like my feet were just getting ripped like the bottoms of them um and so that was that was for like the last like six hours of the race probably was like literally every single step was like oh my god this is terrible sucks, yeah but uh so yeah, i actually ended up like walking slash like some light jogging the last like five six hours of the race the last like 20 25 miles um so that was that was probably but the you know, most challenging thing i really liked what you said in the video though i think it was on like the last stretch you said the best thing about these races is no one cares what your time is it just matters that you finished and that's like my mindset and i part of me is like am i just being like a little bit of a like a loser and just like accepting i'm not fast <laughs> Or am I like accurate in saying that? But I think I'm more accurate in saying it. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. Like, obviously, it'd be cool to like be winning ultra marathons and stuff. Course, but like, if you've yeah. ever been to an ultra, like, you know that that's not what it's about. Like, it's just such a different community of people um, where it's like truly no one gives a crap what your time is or or you know how far behind mm -hmm. first place you were. It's just like if you one have the the grit and the guts to toe the Finish. line and, and put in the training to show up and prepared and then you you know you put in your best effort during race day and then like obviously mm -hmm. if you finish that's even better but like it, it's just like that such a welcoming community and like everybody wants everybody to finish and like it, so in that chasing 400 documentary justin talks about talks about that a lot but i never like truly knew what he meant by that because i hadn't really experienced it for myself and then being able mm -hmm. to go 
run this 50 mile race and like actually being able to feel it for myself it's like he, he can be more right that like it's just such a welcoming encouraging community so with finishing that race what did you really think as far as your experience with that and did you really did that drive you towards a hundred mile or what because i know one thing i commented and i think you made a caption about it was every time you run a race whether it's a marathon ultra marathon you're like I'm never doing this again. <laughs> what was I thinking? And then when you finish, you're like, all right, well, where's the next one? We got to do it again, and we got to do another one. Yeah, I don't know what that is that makes us do that. I'm glad I'm not the only one, because it was in the middle of that the 52-mile race, I literally told myself, I was like, I'm never running a race again. I don't care if it's like a community 5K. Like, I'm mm -hmm. done running. Like, this is just horrible. Why am I doing this to myself? And then literally, I kid you not, like the second I crossed the finish line, I was like, wow, I think I might want to do 100 miles next year. <laughs> and yeah. I, What's for another me, I think 50? what it is, is like when you're, when you're in the middle of the race, like you don't know if you're going to finish, it hurts. Like it, there's just all these unknowns. But mm -hmm. then as soon as you cross the finish line and you're still like walking, you're still functioning, like your legs aren't broken. You're, if you had to, you could continue running. And I think there's that thing in your head that's like, well, if I'm still able to go, like how much further could have I gone in this race? So that, that's it kind of reminds me of uh, that movie, um, Monty Python, when it's like, "Tis just a scratch," you know, when he's like, you know, what I'm talking about. You seen that movie? Is that when he has like an arrow in his head? Or he something? has like an arrow all in his head, his eye, and he's like, "Tis just a scratch." Yeah, <laughs> it's like your knees are battered, your feet are pruning, and you're like, "Ah, oh, I feel great," you know, I'm doing good. Yeah. It is one of those things, though, where I swear I've heard this from somewhere, and maybe it's just a lie I tell myself to motivate me to do an ultra, is you, you reach like a point of fatigue and pain, but it's not an exponential increase to where like there's this like threshold you get to and this like extreme amount of fatigue and pain, and it, it can get worse over the race, but it's not like it's going to be infinitely worse. Like how you feel at 20 miles isn't double as hard at 40, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's and like really how good. tired you are at 50 isn't going to be 100. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to explain it. Um, and I think in that my like recap video, I talked about that a little bit. Um, and that was something that I realized in the middle of that race was like, yeah. you know, like 30, 40 miles in, I was like, wow, thinking back to how I felt at like mile 15, like it's pretty much the same thing. Like mm -hmm. I've just been doing it for a longer period of time. That's the only difference. Yeah, in the moment though, you're like, uh, 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 uh not another one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you're looking at the miles. You're like, for fuck, like 15 more. Like, you know, dude, the the miles ticked off. I've never so like slow. been on a run where it felt so slow. Like, I looked at my watch and it was like 0.2. I look at it again, it was like 0.21. I was like, oh my god, like just uh -huh. felt like forever. I've been there a little bit. So I did uh, last year. I've been running for about two years. And last year, I ran my first marathon by myself on a, a trail we have out here. It's not like a, uh, it's like a bike path trail. So it's like asphalt still. Nice. Um, so kind of close to a road marathon. And then like a few weeks after that, I ran uh, a 50K at a, a state park, which was like a more of a real trail. I think the, the total distance is 31 miles or yeah, 31 miles for the 50K and then a thousand feet of elevation gain. But to your point... Uh, I underestimated, underprepared, underpacked for the whole thing. The heat index was like 108 that day. It was completely brutal. I was completely humbled and just crushed by the experience. But just like you, I got to like mile 15. I was like, okay, I'm like halfway, you know? 
But then every mile after that, it was just looking at, you know, it was like, all right, just another quarter mile, just another quarter mile. Like, just jog to that, you know, tree right there. And uh, it's just an accumulation of that. And then, like you said, by the time you're done with it, and maybe you might need a little bit of food or water or sit down for a minute, but once you do that, you're kind of like on to the next one. You're like, okay, I, I did it. I survived. I made it through the fire to the other side. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's probably what, I don't know. I, I think that that aspect of it is uh, what's so intriguing and like addicting about running. It's like we talked about earlier. It's like you just build this like callus and it's like you have these little accomplishments, these little wins. And after you finish a 50K or a 50 mile or even a 5K, it's like, I think everybody has this within them of just questioning like, well, what else am I capable of? Mm -hmm. And that's where like that, that almost addiction part of running comes into play is like you just continually, continuously either getting faster or adding more miles, whatever it might be. But like, for me at least, it's just always wanting to do more. For sure. I mean, I think it's a shared addiction because there's people crazy enough to do a Moab 240 and, you know, there's people doing a, with a Coca Dona 250. So it's like, there's people that are crazy enough to keep adding distance. So clearly it's uh there's something in the water, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, I'm like at this point, I don't like, well, I don't know what the cap would be on how far somebody can travel on their feet. Like, as long yeah. people have figured out, I think like as long as you get enough nutrition and calories mm -hmm. in, and you yeah sleep and you don't get injured, like you can go forever, like Kinda, for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I think that where I, of course, I say this when I first was thinking about a marathon, I was like, I'll do a marathon, I'll never do an ultra. Then I was like, I'll do an ultra, but you know, hundred mile might be a stretch, and you know where I am today. But I think the one place I will draw the line is a uh, race I'll have to sleep for, or at least. Yeah sleep over an extended time because that's a bigger commitment when you do like the moab 240 where you have to actually like plan you're like you're running for like three or four days you know what i mean and you have to like plan out your sleep schedule and it just seems like a that, that's a that's a commitment you know what i mean, I mean <laughs> even more so right i mean you say that now but like yeah, that's what i mean i, it might I be that same, line to myself yeah it might be that same evolution of like you know whenever you complete a hundred mile, you're like, well, yeah. geez, what else could I What's do? And it, I think yeah. that's how those people eventually get to that level. Yeah. You start with marijuana. Next thing you know, you're doing heroin outside of a McDonald's. <laughs> it's, dude, you know, it's a freaking it drug. It gets hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So another real cool, neat thing about you is you work for BPN. How long have you been, like, when did you get involved with them? How did you get involved with them? And uh, I guess what's your role? Yeah. So, um, it again, goes back to that documentary I did last summer. Um, so I was filming Justin at the Leadville 100 in Colorado. Um, and if you follow Nick, you know that he did Leadville he did last Leadville. year as well. Yeah. Um, and I was a fan of Nick and BPN um, probably since like 2019, 2020. Um, always watched them on YouTube and, and kept up with everything. And um, so I knew that they were going to be at Leadville. And I was, I was stoked to meet them. Um, I ran into them at the, the race check-in the day before the race. Um, I saw him like several times before I actually went up and started talking to him. Cause I was mm. like, I was too scared. Cause it's, you don't like, want to be that guy. Yeah. I was like, one, I don't want to be that guy. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? Like, I don't want to sound like an idiot, like just yeah. be nervous, like weird fan. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd like got myself to go up and talk to him, got a picture with him, like said hi to him and some of the team. Um, and I didn't like talk about like what I was doing there or like trying to work yeah. for them or anything like that. I was just like introducing myself. And then, um, a couple times throughout the race, I, as I was out filming Justin, um, I just naturally ran into some of the other team that was out filming Nick. 
Um, and like out on the trail, I could just start talking to him and stuff. And that's where I was from and just kind of getting to know each other. And then I'd stayed in touch with them for a couple months following. And then, um, Jordan, he's the, the media director for BPN mm-hmm. now. He texted me. He's like, Hey, we're uh, hiring for this position to, for next personal videographer. Would you be interested in moving to Texas and, and come join the team? And I was like, definitely. I can't, I can't say no to that. So we, um, we moved, we were in South Carolina at the time. Um, so we moved from South Carolina out to here in January of 2022. Um, so I've been with Nick and, and the BPN team for a little over six, seven months now. So yeah, it's been it's been a crazy journey since it's last summer. It's funny how stuff like that lines up. And I feel like it's, so always, it's always like weird connections or friends or coincidences because, you know, one thing that I've actually done the past uh, it's been since like January, February. Is I've actually been helping as a copywriter for ten thousand, and I've been right. with with them as an athlete for like two years. And you know, they uh, the basically the VP of the company DM'd me because he'd seen a lot of my captions. Had had just I'd been you know improving as far as my writing abilities, and I've never been like consider myself a writer. I didn't go to school for that at all. And, you know, some people may hate my captions, but at least I try to put thought into them because I'm like, if someone's reading this, I want them to get something out of it more than just like a rah-rah. Like, I want there to be something behind it, you know? And he liked my captions, thought they they were very on brand. I've always thought that 10,000 is very on brand for me and my values. So it actually just kind of works like that. I don't feel like I have to like sell my soul for like a brand or company, you know? And uh, anyway, he reached out. So I've been actually writing uh, a good bit of their captions as well as... I was writing emails and articles and wrote like a feat of strength and things like that that they do. Um, but to your point, I was also kind of offered a position to possibly move if I was interested to New York. I A, already had a house contract signed <laughs> and B, you couldn't, you'd have to pay me a lot to move <laughs> to New York, dude. You'd have to because there's one, no mountains out there. <laughs> one, there's no mountains out there. Two, I don't like urban, like super busy, a lot of people environments. Uh, three, uh, expensive as shit. Like there's just so many reasons where I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like even if I if even if I didn't have the house, I'm not moving to New York. <laughs> so I tried to like bargain it to be a uh, what do you call it remote. Long story short, I still dabble and help with some of those things, but they have a guy, I believe, in New York now doing it. But to your point, though, it's kind of cool, these connections that you make, and you know, it's these organic stuff with brands you actually relate to that I'm sure gets you super pumped up to go into work, and that you have fun, I'm sure, with what you do. A hundred percent, and that's, um, I, I have the exact same experiences. Like, whenever something significant in life happens, it's, it's always like just this very organic connection that I had with somebody or like just almost like a coincidence of, of some kind like I like I did before I started filming with Justin like I had no intention of ever going to Leadville or like I didn't even know Nick would be there um but it's just like I happened to be there they happened to be there and then it, it happened and um yeah it's it's weird how things work out but yeah again it's like are they going to Leadville this year for Adam right uh yeah so there's a some of the BPN team is going I'm not going up there but uh, uh I think there's like three or four people going up there this year um, to go yeah. film because we we signed um, Sally McRae. She's a, a pretty popular. Nice, I figured. Runner. Yeah, yeah, I love Sally. Yeah, so that's she's doing a plethora of races this summer, but yeah. um, that's one of them. So they'll they'll be there filming her and then covering some stuff for Adam too. Okay, damn, Adam get pushed to the side for Sally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, fair enough. Though. I mean, Sally's Sally's incredible too, and she's such a 
like like a bright soul, you know. I was actually a different person, but Courtney Dewalter, like she just won Hard Rock, you know. And dude, yeah. she is just such a bubble of like light that it almost feels fake because she wins almost every race she does. She sets all these records, and yet she is the goofiest person, the most fun person. You can tell she's not fake because in every interview she's the same person. Yeah. She like posts these goofy stuff all the time. It's like that's I feel like what I love about ultra running is these the the best winners you know they're all chill they're all like goofy they're fun everyone's like willing to help each other out you know yeah and I don't, maybe there's something to that of like the people that are you know trying too hard or you know taking themselves and and mm, the too race seriously. too seriously like i don't know maybe there's something to that where those people that are able to just like be loose and be themselves mm-hmm. and, and not think too much about it like they can they can just go run and um for I don't sure. Know, I, she, I would say she probably has some kind of natural ability for sure because like for sure. she's just like insanely fast. It's, well, it's if not... you know if you've ever like watched video or like uh, yeah interviews and things like that too, she'll say like her program, she kind of just it's all intuitive. She doesn't have a coach. She just kind of like goes out and does it. And yeah, I mean there's there's people like that. Uh, so because I'm I asked you about Leadville because I'm gonna try and go out there for a couple reasons. One is actually because I'm like close enough I can drive there, experience the race, be around it, more as like a witnessing it, motivation factor, and hopefully one day I race it, so a little bit of like experience, like what the course is like, you know, what the vibe is like. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, hopefully I can network a lot. I know uh, Hella Sadebe is running it. You mentioned Sally's running it. Uh, a bunch of different people are running it this year that I've noticed, and uh, so hopefully it's it'll be a cool kind of experience to meet some other people. I'm sure, I think Rob, you know Robbie Ballinger? Yeah, I met him yeah. um, down here when he was doing that Tesla challenge. When he was doing the yeah, 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 that's so cool. Cause I was actually I wrote um, I don't think they've posted it, but uh, I wrote like the feet of strength with that, and I actually interviewed him over a phone call about that. Um, Robbie's such a cool dude, man. He's dude, another one that's say, like really genuine. Yeah, he is like just a super, super genuine, like down to earth guy. Um, I mean, just like a lot of these other ultra runners, like yeah, he, he's just a very nice guy. Well, dude, he's um, another one too that like. I mean, recently he's gotten more of a following, but he never had much of a following. Like, I followed him when right. 10,000 first did their feet of strength with him running, uh, like, the record around Central Park. Okay. And I followed him, and I commented on his post, and uh, just cause I, I felt like it was really inspiring because I've loved, like, all this ultra and stuff. And uh, dude followed me back. I'm just, like, a, you know, a nobody, like, new runner. And a follow is a follow. He probably didn't think much of it. But to me, I was like, dude, this, this is a cool dude following me, you know? <laughs> and uh, talking to him on the phone, like, yeah, it's just, you know, really down-to-earth people. Hopefully I can have him on the show at some point in the future because he's always, just like everybody else, I feel like in this ultra-running space, just reaching for the stars with different feats, you know, racing the Tesla and things like that. Um, yeah, dude, you know what, uh, what was it like meeting Cam Haynes? Oh, dude, he... Because he's another was, one of those hard-nosed mindset guys. Yeah, he... Uh, he honestly, I, I can't think of a more genuine person, like, that is, you know, of that status. Like, yeah, it seems like a lot collar. of people that, you know, they've got, like, millions of followers, they're, they, like, kind of put up a facade on online, and then in, in person, sometimes they're just kind of, like, you know, an asshole yeah, or a douche yeah. to some extent. And so, and he was, like literally just the, the nicest guy like asking me questions like mm-hmm. curious about what i was doing and um just like i don't know just a very nice guy he was he was really cool I, so i it was weird like i actually um when i ran the eugene marathon mm-hmm. it was like mile six or seven um i was just running along yeah and then there? i see this like short little dude in front of me running <laughs> and i was like all i could see is the back of him and i was like 
that guy kind of looks like Cam Haynes. And then uh, I was like, oh wait, I think he lives in Eugene. And yeah. then I like look at him closer and I could see like his keep hammering logo yeah. on the back of his shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's Cam Haynes. And so I, I like sped up a little bit um, and ran next was to him. Was he racing chatted with him for? Yeah, he he like that's crazy. He didn't taper. He didn't do like anything. I think he just ran like jumped a in. two or something. That's like that. that's that's yeah, uh, his mo. <laughs> dude, it was just like another Sunday run for him. Like it, yeah, it was it was crazy. But uh, so I ran with him for a couple miles and just chatted with him and stuff. Um, and then I I'll take credit for this that I kind of talked him into coming down to Austin to um to come on Nick's podcast. I think he was already going to be in Austin to do uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. But dude, he did um, like thirteen like, podcasts work- in a week. Yeah, dude, he was going hard, and um, and so he told me he's gonna be in Austin, and I was like, dude, you gotta come down um, or come over to, to Nick Fair's spot and, mm-hmm. and do his podcast. Um, he's like, all right, I'll have my, my people reach out to him, and then like the next week, um, his manager sent Nick a message, and um, and then he came down to, to and did Nick's podcast a few weeks after that. But uh, yeah, he was just like seriously such a genuine nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, what's next for you as far as races as far as filmmaking do you have any like personal projects and you mentioned the justin kenner one was like a very much a passion project do you have time for like another one or is there anything kind of in your sights um as far as passion projects like that there's not a lot i'm always looking for stuff though um i'm you know i might see if i can get justin to do another crazy race or something or (laughs) you know find somebody else who's going to do stuff um but for and then for me for racing um i was looking this last weekend actually at some some ultras maybe this fall um and i'll definitely be running boston in april but nothing scheduled for now um i kind of just like you know running as uh, based off a of feel you know as it as it feels good um on a week to a week to week basis and then um just kind of doing some more strength training trying to add some size and strength um, yeah i've seen that then, i've seen that have you ever been how, how long you've been lifting or is that very new to you uh so i started lifting in high school like kind of like possibly i was never like yeah. crazy good at it and then just more to like stay healthy um and then after all the running the last like year or so uh, i i like pulled back quite a bit on strength training so i just wanted to get back into it and, and build up some more strength um so i'm trying to like get up there my it's i don't know it's i'm always learning something new well dude i need to ask you because I've been thinking about, so I have a half marathon trail race I just signed up for, running that at the end of August. Feel pretty good about that and confident, but I'm eyeing this race October 1st. Uh, it's called, let me pull it up real quick. It's Crested uh, Butt, I, I believe it's pronounced with an E at the end. Uh, oh, uh, Crested Butte? Oh, Butte. I knew it couldn't be Butt. Why is it Butte? <laughs> That's just, now it just sounds stupid on my own podcast. Crested Butte. <laughs> Whatever. Now, well, I'm glad I know now, so I don't go up to somebody. I'm like, hey, I'm signing up for the Crested Butt. You know? <laughs> Crested Butte Ultra. There you it's go. It's like a conversation starter. So there's a 50-miler and a 50K. 50K, I'm like, okay, I could probably do that. No problem. I say no problem, meaning, you know, I have some confidence to it. The 50-miler, though, I'm thinking, just fuck it. Just do it. Dude, I say do it, man. <laughs> why not like <laughs> you're the you're the bad influence i need because i'm looking at it and it's got it starts at 6 a.m it's a 10 p.m cutoff time it's like 16 hours right and i'm like dude i just gotta put my head down just fucking grit through it just freaking push you know eat the enchiladas at aid stations and just keep <laughs> trucking you know when uh or, or where's that race at i've heard of that race so it's well, I think Crested Butte is actually the area, but the reason I considered the fifty was because 
Uh, you know Jason Coop? Uh, I do not. So he's a uh, ultra run. Well, he's an ultra runner, but also an ultra runner, ultra running coach. And he came out with a really good book. I'd recommend to you, Trail Running Guide for Ultra Runners. I, I probably butcher the name. It's something simple. Just look up Jason Coop. He re- released an edition, a second edition of his book. It's a really good book. It tackles everything from uh, nutrition for ultra runners, training program, short term stuff. Uh, modalities like it's super comprehensive he's a big sciencey guy he runs a podcast too that's really good um kind of ignores my dms uh so i was like a little butthurt for a short period of time <laughs> but but i've gotten over it i still appreciate him and uh but anyway he says in his book to wrap this together that you know you should pick races that inspire you that motivate you that you're really excited about don't just pick any old 50 miler pick something that draws you in right because that's what you're going to need to call upon when it's tired, you know, when you're tired of shit, right? And, uh, yeah, so if you look it up, it's, uh, yeah, Crystal Butte, Colorado. So it's a little town. It looks like a cute little town, like Leadville type deal. It's a big mountain peak. And uh, it just looks absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, man, if there's any race I'm going to force myself to do 50 miles on, it's those views right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was so, uh, definitely a, a big factor in the in the bighorn 50 i did it was yeah, like bighorn's beautiful it, too it, yeah it's up in the mountains like i was like nine thousand feet elevation for most of the races like just these massive peaks around me and be, i mean, i just love the mountains being in the trees and away from city and you know we're off the grid um mm-hmm. and like that i kept reminding myself that like when i was hurting i was like okay just take a minute and look up where you're at it's like just like a, a nice relief for your mind i think um versus i mean i know like the real diehard ultra runners are going to go run like these little tiny races that are like yeah, around these like one mile loops it. or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people do that without that, like that, that stimulus. Um, yeah. for me, that's, that's a big part of it is like the environment that you're in. So that race that you're doing sounds, that sounds epic. I hope you do the 50 miler. Talk me into it, dude. Talk me into it. But, uh, I'm calling what, you out right now. <laughs> what did uh Bree do while you ran? Obviously she uh, helped, but like, there's a lot of, you know, time to kill. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, because it, it took me about 13 hours. They didn't see me until, like, shoot, like, mile eight, I think, or, or hour eight. So, um, yeah, that was, like, they didn't see me till like, one in the afternoon. So I think they were just hanging out, waiting. There's, like, that saying in ultras, it's, like, for the crews, <laughs> it's hurry up and wait. Like, bust your ass to the next aid station, and then and you literally just, just sit there and, and wait for an hour. Them, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and I mean, I talked about this in that that recap video, but like that, that having the crew there, like my friends and family there to like look forward to that um, at at a couple of the aid stations, like that was truly like what really kept me moving forward. Yeah. Like, okay, these people are out here just spending their Saturday. Yeah. Like they're, they're committing their time to, um, to help me out. Like the least I can do is just finish this race and show up in good spirits and, you know, not be an asshole if I, when I show up to the aid station. So, um, yeah, that was that was a big part of it, too, was, was having them there for the support. Two questions to wrap this bad boy up. One, are you a, when you're running, most runs or long runs, you no headphones, you music, you podcast? Oh, I'm, I'm all natural, baby. No, no music, no headphones, nothing. Even on long runs? Even on the long runs. I... I used to when I very first I was that for running. a long time, yeah. 
Yeah, when I when I very first started running, I'd say for the first year, um, before I did like my first half marathon, I always had to have music. I couldn't run without music. And then, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, one day I was just like, what if we just try no music today? And I, I just loved it. Like, that's where running became more meditative for me. And yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, I, I used the music and podcasts as like an escape from the run and like a distraction. But for like, I don't know, when you remove that distraction and your only focus is like your run and like mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, whatever, whatever places your mind goes to, <clears throat> it's like, I don't know, that, that's the biggest part of running for me. Um, and that's why I don't wear headphones. So I'm yeah. the same way. And there's like the benefit of like safety too. Right. Yeah. But I will say on long run, sometimes I'll either do one of two things. If there's like a good, it's gotta be a good podcast. Like we're not just searching for something like something that's going to actually interest me. I'll throw that on just because I can kind of passively listen versus like an audiobook. People are always like, dude, listen to audiobooks. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I either am too focused on the running and I don't, I'm not listening to the actual book, or I'm too focused to the book. I start running stupid, you know what I right. mean? Or, or worse than I already do. So I was like, I can't, I can't be doing that. But uh, sometimes I'll put like today, I ran 10 miles and, uh, you know, the, the surroundings were pretty enough. I didn't really need much music, but I just had some light, uh, this like band I like camp it's like folk style type stuff just in the background I like really good but uh and second question is after you do a long run you're exhausted maybe you under under packed on food and water what are you going for first if you had unlimited options either like water or smoothie food whatever what's your go-to you're dying of thirst you're tired of shit oh oh well, I'll give you I'll give you two answers. <laughs> I'll give you my like my 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 healthy option <laughs> that's like probably better. <laughs> I know this better for my body and what it actually needs and then I'll give you my like my gluttonous option. <laughs> so, my my first one, usually what I like I'm usually not that hungry after runs, um especially long runs like yeah. for whatever reason I'm usually not hungry. You almost like, run past the the point of feeling, feeling hungry, you know what I mean? Right, it's it's very weird. Like I'm usually I almost always have to like force myself to eat that like the rest of that day after running. I'm usually not hungry till the next day. Um, so usually just like water is kind of my go-to. I, I'm just always like craving water, but there are those some days where it's like, Oh man, I'm feeling, it's always something greasy for some reason. It's like some like greasy cheeseburger or pizza or like something. I don't do it often, but it's like, it's probably once every couple of months. I'll, I'll do that. But it's got to be a few hours later, or I, yeah, like you yeah. said, I don't have the appetite for it. Like I just had Chinese like before we did this podcast, and that <laughs> it hit the spot. But for me, it's like when I get home, especially if I'm thirsty, dude, I want something like a Gatorade. Like I, mm. water does it for me, but I almost want something a little bit like sweet. Like if I had like an orange Gatorade or like a lemon mm. lime, perfect. Um, but my body, see, my mind tells me, oh, fruit would be perfect, like pineapple. Uh, something juicy where it almost hydrates and fuels you. Right. The problem is I don't have any of that shit at the house. So I end up just grabbing <laughs> frosted flakes and having half the box, you know, something like that. I mean, at, at that point, after like, you know, a 90 minute or two hour run, like your body just will take anything. Th- that's, you dude, that's the best part about running, right? You run so damn much, your body will just dissolve whatever you put in it for the most part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm always conscious or I try to be conscious of like, you know, give it the best fuel you can. But yeah, of course. Obviously, like there's sometimes it's just like okay, let's let's go get a pizza and just eat an entire pizza. Sometimes your body prefers the Domino's 
full size medium large pizza. Sometimes it does. Sometimes if you feel better after it. I know. I needed to hear this. This is this is from good. experience. I can, yes, I can vegan from it. experience. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have a full Domino's pizza after your next run, and I'll run the fifty miler and probably have okay. two pizzas after. You got yourself a deal. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Jeremy, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube. You can just search up um, Jeremy Miller. I, I should be the one that pops up for you. Um, yeah. And Is then your if username you want, just you Jeremy out. Miller? Yep, just Jeremy Miller. Cool. That's how I am. I always feel like that's the easiest thing. If you can snag your name as a username, freaking grab it. You know what I mean? Easy. Yeah. Well, actually, I think my Instagram, I think there's like a period. Up. There's there's like a period somewhere in there. But uh, yeah. I, do, I, tried getting, I, I tried getting just Jeremy Miller. There is a period. I wanted like 5,000 bucks for it. I'm like, yeah. no chance. It's, it's Jeremy with uh, Miller with a period before the R at the end. Okay. But either way, go. y'all can find him in the show notes. Anyway, find him on YouTube. Find him on Instagram. He's doing big things. He'll be running races, probably even bigger this coming next year or the rest of this year. Anyway. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show dude and uh thank you guys for listening share it with a friend if you enjoyed it let us know what you think and i uh, will catch you guys in the next episode yes sir thanks for having me man